Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest sitting on our couch. I don't know. What is this position? How do you call this position? I mean, our kids call it crisscross applesauce. Uh, depends. Are we talking to children? <laughs> are we talking to yogis? <laughs> That's what I mean. So what would you call it? Well, why don't we ask our guests? What, what do you call it when you sit that way? I call it grounded in my root spine. There we go. She's grounded in her root spine. <laughs> that's, uh, that's some serious stuff there. It's the way that yogis like to eat, sitting on the floor, so their root chakras touching the ground. That's really? the best digestion that way. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. The shit I don't know. Uh, here I am thinking that in kindergarten, they just brainwashed me that every time I sit on the floor, this is how you should sit to take up the least amount of space. Oh, no. And you're supposed to eat with your hands. That I knew. Yeah. Many cultures eat with their hands and they think us fork using people are nuts. <laughs> I I also oftentimes will determine what I eat based on do I feel like eating with utensils or my hands. Mm. <laughs> I've actually learned to ask him that now. If we're ordering like Uber Eats or Skip the Dishes or something, if it's a night I'm not cooking, I will ask him before I decide what restaurant I'm going to order from, do you feel like eating with your hands or utensils tonight? And that's because sometimes you just want utensils. Sometimes I want my hands. Sometimes I want special utensils. Maybe I want two little sticks. Yep. Right? Who knows? Two little (laughs) sticks are fun. Yeah. But I pretty much can eat anything with my hands except soup. I just slurp that up. But yeah, you can eat anything with your hands. But you do eat everything with your hands? Uh, I don't. Unfortunately, I forget a lot of the time. But you can eat. Like you create like a little spoon with your own fingers. Right. So what? Because you strike me as a person who would enjoy eating with their hands all the time. All the time. So what? What stops you from doing that? Um, you at the restaurant, you're like, I'm going to just use a knife and fork and <laughs> instead of my fingers? No, I think it's uh, just I forget. Mm. Conditioning, I, yeah, right? She was like, probably taught the same way we in were. In kindergarten. But now <laughs> that we had this conversation, I'm very much probably going to be eating with my hands from now on. Nice. <laughs> yeah. We d- we influenced something. Right. Less than a minute in. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, hey, everyone. It's Amanda, and it's a Monday evening. And uh, we've got Monica sitting on our couch. And I was told to introduce her as Monica D, the RMT. And I like that. So we'll go with that. <laughs> she is a registered <laughs> massage therapist here in Toronto. For some reason, I thought she was from Markham. I'm losing it today. Way off. Uh, downtown Toronto. And she owns Atinama. Did I say that right? You this did. Time? Yeah, Atinama. Uh, is it called Massage Therapy yes, Clinic? Yeah. Massage Therapy, yep. And uh, just recently, Monica let us know that they're celebrating 10 years this year. And so um, I think that was just supposed to be like, hey, guys, we're celebrating 10 years. And Mark was like, cool, come sit on the couch and come on the podcast. And here (laughs) we are. make it sound like that? (laughs) Because 10 years is something to be fucking proud of. It is. It's not even just 10 years being a therapist. It's 10 years in this. Do you know what right. I mean? 12 years as a therapist, 10 years running my right? own show. And yeah. there's there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes along with that 10 years. Some people can't even make it to two. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you did five times more than that. And hopefully you're going to do five times more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we uh, we wanted to have Monica in just to talk about See that quick her math? entire ju- That was quick math. I'm, I'm impressed. Uh, talk about Asian her entire genes. journey. I mean, Can I say I that? Mean, well, I mean, you can. You are Asian. You have Asian genes. But also, I think like you know, our our five year old could know five times two. But anyway, it was good for you. I'm very happy, very proud. Oh, look how sad he looks now. I am not minimizing He's your math skills. Inside. He's gloating inside that he got that. I get it though. I get very nervous. It's again conditioning. I made myself believe that I'm not good at math. So when somebody puts what a made simple... you think that your teachers? No, I I got really really like 
I, I don't know. I used to get really nervous when it came to numbers. It, they used to like trip me up. So mm. now it's at the point where like you could say to me like, what's five plus seven? And even though that's simple math and like I could do that without thinking about it, I don't even hear the numbers. It's like they go in one ear out mm-hmm. the other and I just freeze up. Like you just asked me a math question. <laughs> so if I get a simple math equation like that, like he just did, I would be like, yeah, good for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I do understand. Well, my accountant tells me I have a numerical dyslexia he does <laughs> i like will see and copy and write and like and i switch the numbers around yep. all the time and i do that vocally yeah verbal dyslexia i do too yeah yeah, yeah when <laughs> forget it's it's horrible yeah. and so i would it sounds I, ridiculous but it's kind of cool not. at the same time that it's always perfect right I, <laughs> like, I would i would be teaching a class <laughs> and this is when i was teaching massage school i'd be like turn to page 357 and i start talking about what's on 357 like what are you talking about dude and i look down and i'm like oh i've mixed up all of these fucking numbers it's not 357 it's 573 yeah you know it's like shit yeah you do that with a lot of like phone, phone numbers, numbers. if he's reading a phone number off to me i'll call the number and it's the wrong number and i look back at him and i'm like can we try that again or maybe can i look <laughs> See, at that's the number why you can't give me individual numbers if you give them to me like instead of instead of two six one two if you give me 26 12 i'm like okay good i'm, I'm good on that but two six one two i've got fucking how many combinations of screw up here, right? Versus 2612, there's not many screw up combinations. Actually, even when our kids were small and um, they have, you know, toddler clothing is labeled, like it'll be uh, 3T, 4T. And so it's to indicate toddler, right? Okay. So it's it's a little bit smaller than like a size four. A 4T is smaller than a four. And so when uh, he would go buy the kids clothes, he's like, what size does she wear now? Like T2, T3? I'm like, oh, that's so cute. I'm like, it's, 2T, but he would always do T2. <laughs> turn one, turn, he's traumatized from school. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Anyway, so we wanted Monica to come in and talk about her entire journey of oh opening a clinic and, you know, what's been going on for 10 years and uh, what we're doing to celebrate our 10 year anniversary this year. Well, the celebration is happening right here. <laughs> I feel horrible. <laughs> I'm uh, so under-delivering on this. I know. We didn't even bring her any food. Like, she walked in here. She hasn't eaten, and we're eating. And I'm like, wow, we're assholes. Let's start at the beginning, Monica. Let's have you introduce yourself for everybody listening. So, I mean, you've already let us know that you've been practicing for 12 years. But a little background about you. Sure. Well, I was born in North York and have... uh, Lived in a million places besides Toronto and just moved to Toronto for school, actually. When um, we say a million places, like outside of outside Canada? Outside, I've been, well, within and, and outside as cool. well. I've lived Give in me some of them. Brazil, a bunch of cities in Brazil. I've lived uh, BC, Ottawa, um, spent some good time in India. So I came back as an adult in 2008 for the first time moved downtown to go to Sutherland Chan. Nice. Um, actually, I came back to work for a, an osteopath and she said, kid, you got a gift here. You should really go to school for this. And I was so kind of floaty and lost. And I just said, okay, well, why not? Let's look into it. So, Does the travel have to do with being floaty and lost? The travel, or was the travel intentional? The tr- nothing was ever intentional. Mm. I felt like I was a leaf in the wind. I felt... If I got a job in this place, I would go there. If I wanted to study this, I would go there. If, you know, I was never, um, my parents divorced when I was 15 and I left the house at 16. And I just never mm. wanted to stay put anywhere. I just kind of wanted to see the world. And Is that is that freeing or yeah. is that stressful? No, I love for it. Me, I can I'd pick up and go. That. I can pick up and go in a heartbeat. I can unpack and pack an entire apartment in one day. 
for me it's like and I have things. It's not like I live minimally, <laughs> but like I have a no gyp- I have mark. a gypsy spirit. I think um, because mm. uh, well, first of all, I love gypsy music, and <laughs> but also like I just feel unattached to places and time, mm. and just go where it feels right. I've always been a believer in do what feels good. Don't do things because you're pressured or you're obligated. I'm jealous. Or, just do what feels right, and uh, it's taken me to some pretty incredible places. I'm jealous because I would never do this. Not no. that I'm not that I don't like where I am in life. I love where I am in life, but I would never, ever have the balls big enough to just just go and do. Yeah, I've I had would to not do that. Recreate myself in different cities and meet new f- friends and make new contacts everywhere I go, and it just seems easy. I have the, I and I'm I'm sort of like one of those extrovert introverts. I love time alone, but if I go out anywhere, I'm I can talk to just about anyone. I see everyone is sort of. An equal. You, you know? seem exactly like me in that sense. Like I would describe myself as an extrovert introvert. Like I need time alone. Oh yeah. I need to not talk to people. And, and Mark knows this. There's times where my phone will be ringing, and it could be my very best friend. And it's not that I don't want to talk, but if I'm in that place where I'm like, I just need to not deal with humans right now. Yeah. I'll just leave my phone ringing. He's like, Why aren't you answering her? Are you mad at her? Are you guys fighting? I'm like, No, I just I can't people right now. Right. But if I'm out anywhere, like he will tell you, everywhere we've ever gone, ever it's easy to talk to anybody. I make right? a friend. He's like, yeah. How do you, how do you do that? Like I just start talking. Sometimes to it's and... also not even just how do you do that. It's like, why did you do? That? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can get into some tricky situations that way for sure. But yeah, I think that you have to have a certain like personality to be able to one go off and travel alone. Because, you know, if you're going into different cities where you don't know anybody and what, like, it's such that, an adventure. That can be pretty scary. Do you speak a bunch of languages too, then? I, well, so in school, I studied French, as we all did, and okay. then uh, Spanish and Italian in grade 10 and 11. And then my dad was Italian, so I have. A little bit of know-how there. Mm. And then my mom is Brazilian, so I speak Portuguese. Portuguese, yeah. Um, so I would say French, Italian, Spanish. Okay, you speak a lot of stuff. Yeah. See, because for me, like the, this, this is one of the I reasons I didn't know why. any of those languages when I was young. I just knew English. Oh. Yeah. Like, that's one thing. Like, I don't, I don't feel comfortable going somewhere where I cannot understand the language, especially when there's people of authority. I don't like that idea. I don't like landing in the airport in Cuba and I can't speak Spanish. I don't like that feeling. Yeah, right? I don't mind it at all. <laughs> I don't I don't I don't like that. I don't like getting into a cab and being like I don't know how to speak to this person properly. So I have like this really absolute faith in the universe that it's always taking care of me. Right. So if like for India for example. Yeah. I mean a lot of people speak English in India. They're trained in school. But it's like if you if you can't get the language like there'll always be someone to help you you know there'll always be someone they'll see that you're a little lost and they'll offer help has this line of thought ever landed you in places in situations where it was just not desirable the the idea that the universe will just take care of me yeah obviously like i remember when i finished high school and uh took a couple years off before doing any post-secondary, I traveled through South America by myself backpacking. <laughs> and uh, I mean, good, bad, and the ugly, right? Like I yeah. found myself in a very shady hotel in a very small town and a woman behind the desk, very scared, and the man showing me the room in a long, dark alleyway at the end of the hall. And there were like bars on this tiny little window and you could see the like red stains on the walls and like the bedpost looked like they're, yeah, yeah. you could tie somebody. So like in those moments, I definitely needed to get the F out of there. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, the universe is is always testing you at the same time. Mm. So the the trick is to trust your gut. Your gut is like your first brain. You know, the African culture will will attest to that. That um, our gut instinct is is more powerful than our brain power. Yep. Mm. If you feel something is off, it is get out. Yeah. Don't doubt it. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, friends have you know often asked for advice when traveling because I am <clears throat> fearless. I would say. Um, and I just say, trust your gut. If something doesn't feel right, you don't need to rationalize it. You don't need to know why. No. Intuition is, has nothing to do with knowing. It's just getting, like listening to it. So Interesting. Um, yeah, so, so went to Sutherland Chan. Should I continue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Austin oh, says, you got a gift. You went to school. How did you decide Sutherland Chan? Uh, I just researched what was the best. I just wanted to go to the best. Google, what's the best? Um, no, I went to all the schools and I talked to all the heads of departments. I'm going to ask you then because we asked someone this the, the other day because I'm curious. Okay. When you go to a school, what's a, what's a turn off? And then what's what's like, yeah, this one's doing it for me? Um, I, I look at class sizes and the, uh, the number of staff. So yeah. if it's a huge staff, I don't like it. I like I like to I like small groups. I Ooh, like to know all the professors by first name and right. feel like a community, not like a student, especially as an adult going to a private college. I right. I'm not interested in feeling like a student. I I see how they treat people. I see how organized they are. I see how clean the rooms are. I look mm -hmm. at um the course content, whether there's a lot of filler or not, which there is in our profession. There's like 2 years of something that could probably be taught in a year or less. Um, but, you know, uh, I really liked Sutherland Chan because of its uh, closeness. Like everybody felt really right, right. tight. You know, I walked in and everybody was like saying hi to each other. And it's like, yeah, this feels like a city school, you know? Mm. They described it as a very family type vibe. We were yeah. there recently touring around the school and talking to some of the staff and students. And I think every single one of them was like, it sounds cheesy, but it really is kind of like a family because you're together every day with the same yeah. people. Mm -hmm. And because it isn't this massive place where there's hundreds of people, you kind of do get to know everybody. Mm -hmm. I find it interesting that you said um, what we do could be taught in a year or less. Majority of RMTs I've had on this couch say there needs to be more education. We don't learn enough. It's I want to hear a, your perspective. I, it's about the way that they teach. Um, I've, I've, so my school, I also trained in India. I, I studied body work in India. And the style of teaching there is um, far more effective. So for one massage table, you have three people. And this is how you learn. One person's always watching. One person's always receiving, one person's always giving. So the person watching can see the mistakes and can correct the person giving. The person, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a, a triad that happens that is super effective. So um, what I find, and especially talking to new grads who I've been talking with because I'm hiring lately, um, is they feel totally unprepared with the techniques aspect. They have neurology, physiology, they have all that stuff down. MSK, special tests, cool. But like when it comes to giving a treatment, they're lost. They say they have one techniques course in term one and then that's it. So I don't know if they need more education. I think education just needs to be geared properly towards the actual like tactile experience of the profession rather than all this theory of so science. So much more hands-on. Way more hands-on. There should be a techniques class in every semester. And you went to one of the schools that I would argue probably does this better 
than a lot of the other ones. Oh, like yeah. there is much more hands-on. It seems that way, at least now. I don't know what it was like when you went to school 12 years ago, or mm-hmm. when, but it seems that there's a lot more hands-on and they do more outreach and more clinical hours than you know some of the other schools that I feel like maybe go with like bare minimum. And then more recently due to, you know, lockdowns and whatever, some of the students, you know, we just heard that we're literally stuffing, stuffing sweatshirts and that's how they were learning to massage. Oh, and dear Lord. That is, that's not giving you any kind of tactile information. <laughs> I, I agree with you there. I think a lot of it should be, like when I wrote a massage therapy curriculum, that's one of the things that I kept in mind. So for example, I went to school at CCMH. These classes were short. These classes mm. were like an hour and a half mm. each class, right? Now we had four different classes in a day. When I redid the program at the school that I was at, I'm like, none of this nonsense. Hands-on classes are the whole day. In other words, this this is five hours. So if we were doing treatments class, it was five hours of treatments class. And that way you've got sufficient time to work on your skills. Your partner has sufficient time to receive and understand and Mm -hmm. then work on their skills and vice versa. And that was a big difference because when I was in school, I remember treatments classes would fly. You would do a little bit of hands-on stuff just to get down, just to make sure you knew what to do that you saw in the demo, not even trying to really process what you're doing and why you're doing and how it feels and how Mm -hmm. does the client feel receiving that. It was all about just know how to do these things properly it, quote unquote properly and then switch and then we're done and then oh, that was an hour and a half of a class and so that was it was it was, it was fucking horrible it I definitely is. feel like I got a lot of him but then again a lot I was of... gonna say then again I I got to study under Mark's curriculum that he developed so maybe that's why I felt like I got a lot those were five hour classes on. those were great yeah I'm pretty sure I was touching a body every single day like when nice. I was in massage school yeah I remember that too but not a lot of time and I felt I feel yeah, like I, I agree they would spend like they would give us class notes and then they would read through the class notes. I'm like, you know, we're adults, right? That's a waste. Yeah. Like, why are you writing on the board for me to copy notes when you can give me the handout? I can go home and study and you can quiz me on it tomorrow. Like, why do I have to sit it's through such a- three hours of you reading notes that I get to take home and read anyway? It doesn't make any sense. It's such a weird go because because it's a private career college and because the prerequisites to going into a private career college for massage therapy, very minimal the prerequisites. So you have the type of person that you have coming in is all over the map. You have some people that have university education and degrees, and then you have oh, other yeah. people that were, you know, I was a doctor back home, and then you have other people like, I have no fucking idea why I'm even here. I thought I was going to take PSW, and suddenly I'm sitting in this class. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's literally all over the map, and so you, but you the almost can't escape. Common ground it. is that they're, we're all adults. Yes, and that is the common. If ground. you plan to be a therapist, and if you plan to be responsible for someone else's like body, uh, and if you're willing to be that person that somebody's going to get naked. For you need to have some personal power, and you should be able to read notes at the end of uh, you know at mm. home, and then go back to. I don't. I don't disagree with you on this, you and, that, and that goes back to what we always talk they're, about: they're, is, yeah. is 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 too easy to get into massage school, and therefore they have to cater it to the people that are in front of them, which maybe some of them shouldn't have even been there in the first place. But that's a whole other story. Yeah, that's the thing. When it comes to massage therapy, it is a regulated healthcare profession. It is one of the regu- one of what two regulated professions in Ontario that don't require a university degree. So right. fine. If you don't have a uni- university degree, that doesn't mean you can't be a therapist. Of course you can. But there should at least be exactly as Monica's saying, like 
the assumption that you're an adult and you're an adult that's about to be a licensed professional. So behave that way as a student. You should be able to take on a lot of this learning and maybe then it could be more effective. You could have your hands on bodies longer if we weren't sitting and reading yeah. out notes. Didn't have my read instructor read to me bursitis straight from Seriously. a textbook. <laughs> like I was so bored. And the other thing, <laughs> I mean, I had Ayurvedic training. I, I trained in India and um, nothing there is idiopathic. <laughs> That word idiopathic mm. drove me crazy in physiology class. And that came up so much. Everything is everything idiopathic. Is, everything is unknown. Everything is root unknown. It's like, well, actually, if like I had my hand, I was like fuming. There was like steam coming out of my ears because in Ayurveda, the theory is you either have an excess of something or a deficiency in something right. and that causes imbalance, right? And so I had already studied so many of these conditions. I was like, maybe... Western medicine, we're not just, we're just not allowed to tell you what it is because there's too many unknowns within the medical field that like, we can't talk about this in, in class. And it's like, that must've been so frustrating for why you. Why am I sitting through reading all these <laughs> so notes? So did you attempt to bring up these conversations in class? You can't. The teacher was completely like. But you found that out by attempting to, I assume. Oh yeah, of course. So what does that sound like? First of all, if you don't mind, how old were you when you went to massage school? So that was 2008. I was 26. Okay. So and your instructors are older than you, or yes. okay. So this is university degree, right? So this is this is this is part of the mix. It's shut up, fucking kid, right? That's part of the mix. But how does how does I want to hear how this plays out? Your hand goes up, and you say, and they say, I want to hear it. Oh boy, I know it's a <laughs> stupid little. I'm not going to say who the teachers were, but um, I think I would just say like, how can you say that that's unknown? Like, there's so many known causes for this in all these other traditions, you know. And I'm going to pause you. Do they have an idea of what your background was in terms of education? No. No. Okay. No. Play. Well, there's not much more to say. Like they just say, well, that's what that's what we're allowed to teach. So, uh, okay. You know, they they can't go there. It's like this. Well, they this can, red zone. but it's whether but they're they daring. It's whether they're know. daring but to. But they or themselves not. don't even well, know. There right? would be the problem. Yeah. So there's a couple of educators really problem, that we but... know that um, you know we've we've taught at different conferences and stuff with them and they I, they were the first people I ever heard I don't know if this is common but the first people I ever heard um, use the term like western physiology well in western physiology this in, in western physiology and I was like there's there's different physiology but yes because in you know you did training in India east eastern um, traditions and uh, eastern medicine and whatever and western medicine like there's so many things that maybe is practiced in like India or other places that there isn't necessarily like any kind of solid scientific research that's been done in like Western cultures. So it's just looked at as like, well, that exists and it's existed for 4,000 years. And sure, there's like, you know, maybe some clinical, maybe some clinical evidence to show that things work. But since we don't understand it, it doesn't exist. So when he, when he, they started using the term Western physiology, I was like, well, that's so interesting. It's such a young culture, really. Yeah. it's a They don't have enough time. Like the whole basis of Ayurveda is time-tested knowledge. You look at any um, teacher of Ayurveda and they'll say, this is time, like knowledge that's been passed down over generation to generation. And if it works, we keep it. If it doesn't work, we, we don't. Yeah. yeah. So time-tested through like actual, I mean, you, we call it research or science, but it's just experience, you know? 
what works you keep and what works you don't. What doesn't work you don't. But I mean, isn't experience science because any experiment is based in like, can we reproduce this? Can we reproduce this? So experience is science. (laughs) So the way that Western wants to like reproduce things in a template doesn't work in Ayurveda because your imbalance, according to your constitution, is going to be totally different than me. So we could have the same excess of an element, a fire, of air, of water, but because your internal constitution is different, you're going to react. So there's no template. Right. It's all completely individual. And only a very well-trained Ayurvedic practitioner can can guide you towards like finding your balance of elements, right? That's the whole thing about Ayurveda. Is, uh, it's based on the theory of five elements, mm. earth, air, water, fire, ether. And in Chinese, it's wood and metal instead of ether. Um, so yeah. It's it's a powerful, it's a powerful, it's the science of yoga. Like if anybody's ever practiced yoga outside of a yoga studio to know that it's all really about like uniting mind with body. It's not about flexibility or athleticism. It's about union. Yoga means to yoke, to find union, right? What so, do you think of uh, yoga folks that are, that are in it for the flexibility and the exercise? Go for it. It's going to help you no matter what, but just don't think that you're attaining like a yogi status by being super flexible if you're not grounded in your mind, if you're not controlled in the in all the senses. So Lulu's and just going to classes three times a week doesn't get me there, eh? Hey, I wear Lulu's every day. I love my Lulu's. They make my butt look nicer. But, um, <laughs> but it's, not, uh, it's not yoga if you're not focused on what's beyond yourself you know yoga is to remind you that there is something much bigger than yourself so you choose Sutherland Chan yeah you have a successful career there as a student <laughs> I failed term one anatomy <laughs> I don't know how successful that was Michael Bard when I did the retest he I was like two percent off on the retest so I had to redo the whole semester <laughs> That fucker. All right. You, you made your way. I love through. you, Michael Bard, but you're a fucker. <laughs> you made your way through Sutherland Chan, and um, uh, you you write your licensing exam. No problem there. No problems there. No so problem this there. is funny. Um, I knew I was going to go to India and study Ayurveda after training, after school. So I graduated school. I did my OSCE. Got that over with. Went to India for six months. Did some amazing work over there. Came back and I still had my MCQ to write, mm. and and I forgot that I had already booked it. And I got back and I had like five days before my MCQ. <laughs> and I got an alarm. I had an alarm set and it was like, oh, your MCQ. I was like, oh my God, I didn't study. I went for the exam and I passed. After six months, I was like, woohoo. You see, see, doing anatomy so, again helped you. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Passed your licensing exam. What is your, what is the beginning of your massage therapy career look like? I started working for Kevin Oates at Advanced Therapeutics on Queen Street East. He is by far the sweetest uh, man I have ever met. Um, he, <laughs> I did my interview massage and he was like, well, that was a nice effleurage. I'm like, oh, that's my first interview. I'm like, He's like, but I see your potential. He's like, get on the table. I'm going to show you what our clients expect. And he gave me a treatment in my interview. Um, he had already been in the field for 25 years. He has a clinic that he runs out of a, a big, beautiful house that he turned into a a treatment clinic, and he taught me a lot of what I know. He's an athletic therapist from Kikawa. Um, so that's where I started, and then hopped around a little bit. Um, fucked off to BC and did an apprenticeship with a shaman on an island, chopping wood and s- doing sweats for a few months. Sure, sure. <laughs> you know, just another part of my... Because <laughs> I really believe that as a therapist, we have our own, like 
healing to do. And I don't know if Mark, I've listened to your podcast. I don't know if you're going to agree with that. But like to be a good provider of space to somebody, you need to have your shit figured out at least a little bit. And so I, uh, I definitely. You can't be present unless you're fully present. And that's part of being present. And part of it is our own traumas that we have to get over. And a lot of us get into this profession to heal those without even knowing it. So I did a lot of that. I did a lot of soul searching. I came back from BC and um, where else did I work? I worked at the Hammam Hammam Shangri-La Spa in that fancy hotel and university. Um, I worked for another clinic in Etobicoke. So what makes you want to do something on your own? I was tired of working for people, having to wear uniforms, getting my tips stolen, uh, having to follow rigid rules, and to having to give eight treatments a day. I was dying was there a single point where you're like fuck all this yeah what was tell me about that tell me about that one one i worked for uh johnny voss and i don't mind saying his name um and he fired me because he didn't pay me and a client paid cash and i took the cash because i didn't have money for groceries and i texted johnny i'm like johnny you haven't paid me yet you're late on paying me the client paid cash i'm just gonna take the cash today and uh you can deduct it off my paycheck Next thing you know, I'm locked out of the system and he sends me a text saying you're fired. I was like, okay, fuck this. I'm done working for other people. Like I was as human as I could be and uh, didn't work. People have their own stuff going on. So I was like, I got to figure this out. Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the same time, a friend of mine was subletting a space at the 401 Richmond building. He had some community event space with an office and he Mm -hmm. was like, do you want to sublet an office? And I thought, okay, let's give this a try. And um, Mondays and Wednesdays, I worked there. I canvassed the entire 401 Richmond building with my little 50% off brochure. Mm -hmm. First massage, 50% off. And then got fully booked in like two months. I was like fully booked. And then he got the boot. He got evicted for doing something really stupid I won't get into. Um, Was it uh, illegal? Was it what? Was it illegal? No. Okay, that's all I need to know. He he flooded the place. (laughs) (laughs) He put in one of those live walls with a and left the hose running overnight and it flooded. So not illegal, just stupid. (laughs) Stupid. And then yeah, so he got the boot. So I was like, I can't lose my practice. I need to find something close by. So I literally called the big number on the Spadina buildings, like for lease number. And this beautiful man Joel helped me find a, a spot. And that's where I am today. Wow. So this really, as you said at the beginning, there was never really any plan. Plan. Nothing was necessarily by intent. It was you trusting your gut and you're like, okay, this isn't working. This, this isn't okay. Let's try this. Um, I'm still on the part where you got fired for taking money from somebody who owed you money. That's funny. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, that was sort of a great happening for you because it, made you say like fuck i can't i can't work for people because when you work for people then you have to rely on people you have to follow their rules do things maybe the way they want to do and i know another person sitting in this room that that absolutely doesn't work for Mm -hmm. (laughs) did you learn what rules you like though i don't like rules in general gotcha i have never liked rules i was a photographer before being an rmt Mm. and uh had to work for myself there as well like i just i don't if you can't tell me why, like that toddler, like, why, mom, why? If you can't give a reason, if you're just saying because, see you later. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
<clears throat> but it was all meant to be, you know, it was all freaking perfect the way it worked out. Yeah. Let's talk about your clinic today. Yeah. 10 years later. 10 years so later. So it started out with just you by yourself and yeah. you're you're busy. You've got this practice going. Yeah. And then talk about the evolution. Yeah. So a lot of those clients from the 401 Richmond building followed me to the building across the street, Spadina and Queen. Um, I was going hard. I left my schedule open seven days a week just to fill up. Um, and then as soon as there was like a good amount of, I would book time off. So I was doing maybe six to eight treatments a day but with nice gaps and at my own pace. Um, but I did that for four years and my herniated a low back mm. disc. And uh, I thought, okay, well, I'm not going for surgery because I don't want, I know that Ayurveda can help me. I know that if I get myself to a Panchakarma center in India for 28 days, I'll be fine. So like hardly able to walk or lift myself out of bed. I booked a ticket at three in the morning. I just like, I'm booking my ticket. And I booked it for like three days later. And I went to India and went to this hospital that I had been to back in 2011 when I trained in India. And they had me pain-free in three days, or three weeks, sorry. And one of the treatments is um, this ghee treatment where you can't leave the room and they double the dose of ghee every day. It's medicated ghee and it's to infuse the body full of these medicines and so I can't take sun, wind, I can't meditate, or I can't, I can't do yoga, I can't read, I can't do any of these things that'll stimulate any of the senses. So I was, I felt like a monk, like I was just sitting there in mm. meditation and it dawned on me, it's, I was like, I have to expand the clinic, like, you know, I have to, I have to do something that if I want to have kids one day or if I want to, you know, travel again, like I can't just, I've been living paycheck to paycheck, I was making enough. Mm-hmm but I wasn't saving anything. So I wrote up in those five days, I wrote up my business plan for the bank. It was like 13, 15 pages long. And when I got, I did all the market research online in my room, even though it wasn't supposed to be on my laptop, I did it anyway. (laughs) I got back and the banks denied me, those buggers. Um, And I was only asking for seven, 17 grand. It mm. wasn't even a lot. Right, right. Um, and then my dad was like, you know, I really, I think this business plan is excellent. He's like, if you can put yourself on a payment plan and stick to it, I'll, I'll give you the, he said, I'll give you 20 grand. Wow. Amazing. So I had, I paid him back in like less than a year Nice. because the clinic from the moment we opened was like booming. I don't know what happened. I had, a good clientele and they told people and it was just like the right location. Supportive folks all the time or just like this, this moment? My parents? Yeah. Um, Always supportive of everything you did? My mom for sure. My dad was more, I mean, emotionally he wasn't supportive of all the crazy things I did. Right. Um, But he was always my dad. He was always there for me. Financially, no. Financially, I was always, I've been on my own since... Since, uh, well, I think my mom helped me pay for Sutherland Chan, which I paid her back, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. They've got the kid who's traveling the world. So I know, like, they you can't support you me. Wanna, you want to do that? And my dad was kid. like an insurance guy. He worked for AIG. He was right. high in, you know, like he, I was doing nothing that he, he wanted me to be a computer programmer. I was like, dad, like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's not going to happen. What did you do with the 20 grand? I um, bought furniture. <laughs> 
<laughs> and paid for Because someone, because someone out there is in your scenario. Yeah. They they have a solo practice. They're renting a space, releasing a space. They have a solo practice. They're they're not an Indian hospital right now, but they're thinking to themselves like, how the fuck? Like, what do I need to do? I want to grow this, and I don't yeah. know what to do next. Because if if I take time off of doing this, even to to stop and really kind of assess the situation and figure out what I need to do, that's also now time I'm not spending with my clients and therefore I'm not making money and blah, blah. Right. And so they find themselves in this cycle of I always have to work out. But so yeah. they want to know what you did with the 20 grand. Well, first and last month's rent ate it up almost entirely <laughs> at Queen and Spadina. Like rent is not cheap. So right. I, uh, yeah, uh, what I would say to those people is really assess whether or not you're good managing people. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you can tackle that, go for it. If you don't, like, get other people to rent the space that you're in and just give yourself some time off. Because owning a clinic, managing a reception staff, and having 10 plus therapists under your, it's like, you don't really sleep without thinking about everything every day. Mm. You don't have, you may have physical time off the clinic, but you're, you never really stop. It just never stops. No, I can't. I mean, we were at a clinic today, as I told you, that they manage a staff of like 25 therapists. Like you're always in some way, it's so it's so intertwined with your life. Like there's always something. In every way. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like you can't have a relationship happening. without like, what do you do for a living? I'm a massage. Th- it's like immediately like, it's like, oh shit, are they with me because they want a massage? Or- <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> every part of your life. Every part. Yeah, you're answering emails, you're thinking of social media stuff, you want to hire, you want to train, you want to add new courses. Like, Do you have employees or are these independent contractors? I have independent contractors as therapists and my reception staff are, are, are employees. Yeah. How responsible do you feel for your independent contractors? Well, um, I feel like I want, like it's my responsibility to make sure they're fully booked. Mm-hmm. And it's also my responsibility to make sure they know how to get themselves fully booked. So it's a, it's a mixture of like um, making sure that they're trained properly on, you know, giving proper treatments, but also the, the self-care that they give their clients. Like we have to really tell our clients what we think is the best treatment plan for them. And like, but in terms of like how responsible do I feel? I feel like they're all super independent. They're all, right. all beautiful, like people doing their own thing. They have a million things going on outside of work. They come in, their treatment room is like their office and uh, we take care of the rest. All they have to do is show up for their clients. Our receptionists do all the bookings and payments and laundry and everything. So I'm really curious about like clinic owners and stuff, especially because of COVID and everything else, because all of us had to shut down at some point. And it makes me wonder, like how responsible do you feel for your independent contractors? They're not your employees. They're independent contractors. And a good leader would be like, yeah, I feel fucking really responsible for yeah. them and I'm going to do everything I can to take care of them versus someone else who might just be like, oh, they're fucking independent contractors. That's what they, it's independent. They're on their own type of thing. No, I definitely feel responsible in that way, yeah. A good clinic owner will understand that balance, exactly what Monica just described, where on one hand, you want them to be independent and run their practice the way they run their practice and be themselves, like, you know, authentically how they treat and as a therapist. But then the little pieces as the clinic owner, you're the one that's expected to know how to run a business. The independent contractors, they know how to be therapists, right? So if you're the one that's supposed to know how to run a business, I like that you said, you know, making sure they understand how to recommend treatment plans and how to put people on treatment 
lesson plans and how to retain clients and, you know, making sure that the business side you're helping them with, but you're not telling them like, this is how you have to do it because they're not employees, right? So there is a fine balance. Like we've heard so many debates, you know, there's always the Facebook land debates of who's responsible to get you busy. Is it the clinic owner? Are you responsible on your own? Oh man, that's, it's it, but it always depends on the business model. There's no right and wrong. It depends on the business model, the way you have it set up. I think that if I you're don't agree taking, with you that it depends on the business model. If I'm renting, if I am a therapist and I love what I do and I want the best for my clients, it's my responsibility to put them on a treatment plan. Oh no, no, yes, and I'm talking about whose responsibility is it to know? get the the clinic busy. Oh, I see. Yes, well, that's part of it, right? So if you're Your a clinic returning. owner, and so for example, there was a clinic that I was at where we were all just renting a room in there, right? In that case, I can see if you're renting. Then maybe the clinic owner doesn't really have any responsibility to get you busy. You're just renting a room. You're running your practice out of their space. If you're working under their business name, um, in one case I was working completely independent, and one case I was working under the business name. The one I was their reputation, right? Right. They should have a vested interest. Absolutely. And the one that I was working under her business name, she handled getting the clinic busy. Mm-hmm. Like she took that upon as her responsibility. The other place where it was like, you can do whatever you want. You can even have your own business within my business. She took a step back. Yeah. Like, of course she'd refer well, people That's sort to of me. what you sign up for when you just sign a exactly. rental contract. Yeah, I see so, but there's always this debate of like, whose responsibility is it? And I think that when you, when you run a clinic, <laughs> it is everyone's, but when you run a clinic, you want it to be busy and you want people who want to also put the effort in. Absolutely. And if, if you're helping them the way you say you are, like helping to make sure they're trained and you know, you're know you mentoring them a little bit when they come in, they're going to then want to be a the little more, more responsible. The more you're in a space and you lose your autonomy, it, it to me, it now lands on the clinic to fill in those gaps and make you busy. In other words, if, if I'm going to come in as an independent contractor, you're going to say, you have to wear this, you have to do this, you have to make the table like this, you have to do this, you have to, have to, have to, have to, have to. I'm like, you've just taken away all my freedom and autonomy. Yeah, Guess what? Guess what? I don't fucking feel the need to yeah. make this place busy yeah, at all exactly. now, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think I think the more freedom I have within the within the situation within the environment, the more I take on that, and I feel feel good about taking on that yep. on. But if you're gonna come in and just if not come in, if I'm gonna come in there and you're gonna you know dictate everything to me, well then cool, I'll take that. But then yeah. you also make sure that the schedule's full, and then we're 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 both happy. Yeah, I have a, a, a hard rule about very few rules, <laughs> like no that. uniform. You know, show up. Yeah. If you're not booked for the last half hour, you're welcome to leave. But otherwise you're there and it's only a six hour shift. So if you can't commit to six hours, then you really shouldn't be an RMT, right? Um, But you have very few rules. And uh, the biggest thing for me is authenticity. Show up as who you are. Don't put on a therapist cap and, you know, pride around like you're something like just show up and do the work you you're here to do you yeah. know and be authentic with your clients can you can you get the sense of this in in an interview absolutely tell me what you look for in an interview that makes you go i want this person they're able to see me as an equal and not as a clinic owner they're able to mm. talk to me on the level of like um i'm a therapist i love what i do i i like taking care of my clients i know my shit um, I, I'm not looking to be put on any pedestal just because I'm a clinic owner. I'm an RMT just like you guys. So if you can talk to me like a friend sitting across at a bar, then then I know you're real. Can I ask, can I ask you about know your shit? Because you said and know your shit. Does 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 possessing a active certification granted through the College of Massage Therapists of Ontario to you does that mean I know my shit? No. 
Mm, so what do you look for above and beyond someone that just has the license? Well, every interview consists of a massage. Mm -hmm. So I get to feel if they know their shit or not. Oh, yeah, it's not something you can really assess just by talking. Right, right, right. I mean, somebody can talk. I know somebody who is going to be leaving my building soon. And I'm so happy about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got him. Anyway, it's a long story, but he's he's going to be gone. Um, he can talk the talk. Right. He knows every special test. He knows every attachment site of every muscle and all the nerves. And I don't know. He's taken all these courses and he's in a personal trainer and he's this and he's that. But he damages people. He is actually mm. dangerous to people. I sent my mom to him thinking that he knew what he was talking about. My mom had to go for a cortisol shot after seeing him. Mm. He he's, uh, definitely damages people because he can talk the talk and sell you on his treatment. But when it comes down to it, he, he's very dangerous in stuff that he does. Oh, is this somebody that works? Not for me, but... Um, oh, okay. In, uh, in used the to area. be a friend who I got him a space. And... Uh, okay. And... Uh, now he's on his way out. Yay. Didn't go so well. No. I wanna I wanna rewind a little bit. When Ooh. you talked about <laughs> when you talked about going from being this solo practitioner. So when you came back from India after healing your back mm. and you realized I've got to expand, you got mm -hmm. the money from your dad, and then you said and we got busy Boom. and I don't know what happened. Do you attribute I mean, I know you said you don't know what happened, but I keep getting stuck on that because I'm like, do you attribute the the clinic getting busy because now you have other people. So you can now spend more time working on the business. You've got people taking care of the people. Like you said, oh, I had great clients who referred. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Word of mouth. But if for you to get busy quickly, something, there had it's to be all something. about timing too, right? So we, I took the possession of the new space we opened in July. Um, I already had hired about six therapists before even having the space. They kind of just trusted me that it was going to be a beautiful clinic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how. They didn't even know me. That, by the way, though, that's also, how many of those six are still with you? One. Oh, okay. Five years ago, yeah. Because I find that like when you've got people who are willing to jump in when you have nothing, those are oftentimes like the best people. The best. Like, they were all they're with just me for willing, a very long time. Yeah, they're willing to just that, take the plunge yeah. with you. So like, you know, they have a vested interest in getting this place busy because there's nothing there right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we had um, therapists to start with. So that was good. We also had a really nice inauguration party. Uh, where Medicine Man from CIUT came and was our DJ. Do you know about him? No. Oh, he's amazing. He's been volunteering once a week for like 20 years on the University of Toronto radio station. Oh. And he's a friend of mine. And so he DJed the party. And um, I don't remember. I don't think we did any promos or like discounts or anything we're not supposed to do. I don't think we did that. Um, I think I had a, a, a really large client base and I sent an email out and a lot of them just helped us spread the word. And so July and August, the first two months that we were open, it wasn't like slammed, but because September to December is busy season and because we're right at Queen and Spadina, it just like, it took off. I think it's like build it and they will come, you know? Yeah, timing. But I also think bringing on those other people, because you were busy as a solo practitioner, yeah. hence you destroyed your body, yeah. um, but you were busy and you probably could have been busier if you were a robot, but you oh, were alone. Yeah. I could have done 10 treatments. I had calls. Right. I had to turn people away Exactly. So now bringing on these six people, yeah. people already trusted you. So now you've got, you know, so-and-so who's your client saying like 
she's got more people now. We can all go. Mm-hmm. And then, so that was, yeah, that was a really good. So you brought on six people right away. You right went away. from one therapist to seven therapists. Yes. And now you're how many? You're 10? We had up to 16 before COVID. Wow. And uh, in four rooms, we have four rooms. Post-COVID, we went down to, I think we went down to like five at one point. Yeah. What was happening? People leaving the profession? People left the profession. I lost my acupuncturist and my naturopath. They both started working from home. Other people moved back home with their parents, which were in other towns. Some people started a home practice. Some people left the profession. Everything everything happened during COVID. Everybody just realigned their lives with something that works for them. But um, we're back up to 10 now. Looking to hire maybe six more because we're expanding two more rooms. Oh, wow. This month, yeah, we're going to have two more rooms. Did you guys pick up right where you left off when lockdown stopped? Like, did you go back to being super busy? No. No. <laughs> no. That's okay because we're down therapists anyway. Yeah. Right? So this is a good thing that yeah. we didn't pick you right back up. Yeah. I mean, we were allowed to reopen June 1st, right? I don't remember. I, it was like, May 28th. It was end of, yeah, it was like May 27th or 28th that the email came out. Yeah, we were open June 1st. <laughs> I reopened June 9th. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm not waiting, guys. I'm cleaning the clinic. We're ready. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a really slow year. Mm-hmm. A really slow year. Um, so you couldn't wait to get jump jump back into it. What do you think of the therapists that were like, mm, um, no, 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 I'm not ready. To each their own. Yeah. It's really, a, it's a matter of comfort levels. And um, I, I would never judge anybody for not wanting to jump back in. But mm-hmm. I sort of knew what was what for me. And the therapists who stuck around also felt the same as I did. And... We wanted to be there for our clients mm-hmm. who really needed us because everybody was going through a breakdown. So yeah, yeah, we wanted to help them. So now you want to expand again? Yeah. So I assume we're back to busy. Back to busy. Back to yeah, busy. Yeah, okay. totally. Back to busy. We are uh, having a fifth room within our clinic, and then a sixth room at the end of the hall, which is like a it's an office building. So at the end of the hall, it's a larger treatment room, basically. And it's going to be a teaching clinic. So I've nice. got some people coming in to teach. I'm going to do some teaching. Um, and it'll be an extra treatment room for busy season. Fantastic. Yeah. So happy 10 years. I know. It's amazing. It's so weird how it just flew by. It, it really 10 years really can fly by. Because as you said, the first four, you were on your own. So it's it can really go very, first very five, fast. I think it was. Yeah. Five. That's yeah. pretty wild. And what kind of practitioners do you have at your clinic? We're all RMTs. Okay. So you said there was a time, though, that you had other practitioners. Yeah, pre-COVID, we had uh, other things, too. Do you plan to continue as a strictly massage therapy clinic or do you plan to possibly bring in other types of practitioners i'm open i'm flexible if it's the right person if it's so i did find with like acupuncture naturopathy and osteopathy if they were not also rmts they would never fully book interesting so i always tell independent contractors who come who are not rmts I can't guarantee you clients. I can guarantee my RMT's clients, no problem. Mm. But if you're coming in as a different practitioner, you're going to have to hustle. I'll put you on the website. I'll send out newsletters. I'll do what I can. But this is your practice. This is like an office for you. So you have to take it on as your... As your jam. Who teaches mm-hmm. you how to do all this stuff? Is this learn on the job or you've taken Is, you've taken courses? No, I haven't taken any courses. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I don't know. I just love what I do and I research everything before I do it. So, <laughs> What's the exit strategy? What's the end game? An Ayurvedic Pancha Karma Center. Yeah? Yeah. In Brazil. In Brazil. 
in Brazil. I have the land. So I'm going to, yeah, slowly, slowly. Like that's, a, that's a 10 years from now. That's yeah, a, yeah, the yeah. plan. You know? End game. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. When did you come up with that end game? Uh, when I was 16. <laughs> I knew that that's ultimately what I wanted, you know, eventually. Because I really believe in that medicine. Wow. So you can, an Ayurvedic Panchakarma Center, you can go for anti-aging, you can go for treatment for disease, you can go to relax, you can go... For everything. It's like 7, 14, 28 days of just tune out the world, turn off your cell phone, do yoga twice a day, get massage every day, eat for your constitution every day, and just like tune out and recalibrate. I really think that everybody needs that once a year. So One, I would have never come up with this at 16 because I was just a dumb 16 Well, I watched a documentary. Who just <laughs> ran around... Trying to chase girls, probably very <laughs> unsuccessfully. And two, why Brazil? Uh, because I, my mom lives there, and uh, I, it's paradise. It's like ten minutes to the ocean, um, and it's a really, it's a really beautiful place to have a retreat center. Do you think people of Brazil will be open to the site? Like I know nothing about culture in Brazil. I think I might know one person in my entire like life that's from Brazil. So I don't know anything about this country. Uh -huh. Do you think people <laughs> there would be open to this type of treatment center, this type of retreat based on what you know? Yeah. I yeah. mean, anybody who's um, dedicated to yoga will know that an that a Panchakarma center is like the place to go if you're unwell. So anybody who's serious into yoga will know. Brazil has a huge spiritual movement happening all over the country. And I don't plan to just aim it towards brazilians right um i would love to ship people from here over there right for a retreat is this something that's like how do i put this nicely is this something that is strictly for wealthy people absolutely not that's the whole point if you go to the u.s and you want to go get pancha karma you could be paying upwards of thirty thousand dollars u.s right. per week this is what i'm as you're talking about this no. when you're talking you know 7 14 28 days no. of meditation and yoga and therapy and what i'm i'm thinking I mean, the time alone, of course, is a financial strain on some people. But I'm like, how much must that cost to it's be in not, that thing? It's going to be so the the concept will be sliding scale depending on how much you earn, um, and it will be extremely affordable because we will have families from India living there and performing these treatments. So we'll be you'll be supporting entire families as well as doctors from India. They'll come and live there. We'll have housing for them. And uh, it won't be, it won't be like U.S. prices, you know. Right. A Brazilian real, one Brazilian, one Canadian dollar is four Brazilian reais at the moment. So already you're you're saving money just with the exchange rate. But, right. Um, yeah, it won't be crazy expensive. <laughs> yeah, be. I was picturing the like you know drop fifty thousand no, dollars and you can be better. No, 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 no. <laughs> definitely not. And at sixteen, watching this documentary, because I mean, there's a lot of information in the world mm -hmm. let's be honest there's a lot of things i know me i can watch something and be like wow this is amazing and then you know you read an article somewhere else that's like you know this is what is. so something as simple as for example alkaline water mm. i have a place where i get alkaline water that right. lives in this office and i've had every single client come in and either say oh i've heard alkaline water is good for this 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 and then other clients come in and say you know that alkaline water is actually very detrimental to your health because of this you know what i mean when mm -hmm. i'm talking about the information so you as a 16 year old how do you learn about like ayurvedic treatments and things like that and say this makes so much sense to me. Like, how do you have the mental capacity and maturity <laughs> to say, 
this makes sense and this works and I I understand this philosophy. Well, I was in a deep depression. At 16, my parents had just divorced and I couldn't do what everybody else was doing at school and partying and drinking and I just, I didn't have it in me to follow that and so I was smoking weed and going to Blockbuster like three times a week to rent videos and lose myself in my bedroom skipping school. But um, I found a video on Kundalini Yoga at Blockbuster. It was like a $7 video. This woman floating on the front cover. And I was like, what is this? It's only seven bucks. I'm going to check it out. So I put on this Kundalini Yoga class and did it every day. The same class every day. Memorized it. And within two to three weeks, the depression was gone. And I learned how to breathe diaphragmatically. I learned what mantras were. I learned how to lock certain parts of my spine. Like they call them bandhas when you do a hold, like you flex your pubococcygeal muscles, for example. That's a hold. That's a bandha. All these things gave me power, gave me strength, gave me life again. And I felt alive for the first time. And I stopped smoking weed. I didn't even need to smoke weed because I felt so good just breathing. And I thought, there's something to this. I have to look into it. So I just started watching a million documentaries. And this one documentary called, and I think it's still available online for free, called um, Ayurveda, The Science of Life. If you watch it, it's uh, it's incredible. It showcases various Ayurvedic centers and showing what they do for different diseases and how they diagnose. And so when you watch it, you might get a sense of like, oh, that makes so much sense. But like, I didn't know either before watching those videos, you know, mm-hmm. it's all just a, a process of learning. But um, instinctively, I've always been a, a, a creature of the earth. Like I've always loved walking bare feet and I was a big rebel against religion. And <laughs> I always just wanted to do things my way, you know, and and Ayurveda made sense to me. It, it has a lot of also... Um, Connections with Native American spirituality, the way that they honor the elements in the medicine wheel and each direction of the wheel has a certain power, a certain quality. Um, It seemed to click the two systems. So that was also really interesting for me how they they both made sense to me, even though they were slightly different. They both had a, a different way of relating to the earth that didn't have anything to do with capitalism. So... Yeah, just getting back to the earth. I'm a big canoeer and like I love hiking and I love trees and I love like not doing anything like shopping malls and that kind of thing. So yeah, these these systems really made sense to me. I think, and I don't know anything. I'm just spitballing a bunch of shit here, which is what I do on this podcast. I feel like the depression, the 16-year-old you, the $7 video from Blockbuster. You know, right? I feel a lot of that comes from you being able to gain control and then you being able to gain control of your body and you being able to gain such control of your body you can focus in on this area and look how i can control this and focus in on another area and look how i control this and that starts to mm-hmm. kind of bust that depression that's probably surrounded by a bunch of things that you just can't fucking control. Like your parents splitting up, like it's beyond you. And so it's almost like a go back to what you can control. I don't know. What am I? I No, it's so true. And not just control, but oh my God, look what you can feel. Look at the amount of energy you can feel. Look at the clarity of mind that you have after a 60 minute session. Like, whoa, you know, where I don't even have the desire to smoke a joint. Like, wow, that's pretty cool. 
when you're depressed and that's all you do, right? Mm -hmm. Unless you've experienced something like this, like we've done so many episodes with people who have had like major, like life altering things happen. Um, you know, we actually did an episode with somebody who had like a Kundalini awakening and like these, these things that like you can't really understand them unless you've experienced yeah, it. Totally. So, you know, as Mark's saying, you know, this whole idea of control, I think that's, that's probably a really good guess because actually my mind was going the other way where I was hearing the skeptics that might hear this and say, um, you were a vulnerable 16 year old. You watched something that convinced you that, you know what I mean? Like that. Oh, but there was no belief present. It was all experiential. Yeah. And, but this is what I mean with the, the all the information that's out there. I'm just impressed that this, the 16 year old could like take that in and like, yeah, this makes sense because like I said, I'll, I'll read something or I'll watch something and it makes complete sense. I'm like, yeah, that like totally makes sense. And then I look to, you know, the total opposite end of the spectrum and somebody's telling me or showing me why none of that makes sense or how we can show you the holes that are in mm -hmm. that. So when it comes to something, I mean, Ayurvedic stuff, this is, you know, ancient, as you said, it's been passed down and, and down and it'd be pretty hard to find holes in something like that. But I'm sure there's people that but would. But why find holes? Like, wh who cares? Like, <laughs> as long as you're not doing yourself harm and you haven't joined the cult, then who the fuck cares? And like, well, cares? why do, Why does someone have to tell you about your fucking water to tell you how great it is and someone else to tell you how shitty it is? Why can't they just I observe know. and say, okay, you got this kind of water and, and just go about their fucking do. day? <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking get it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I feel like there's sometimes where, as I said, I, I will see things or hear things and I'm like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And then I might start sharing it with somebody and they're like, well, what about this or this or this? Oh, yeah. So that's as the I'm, beauty of like evolution is like we get to yeah. see all the devil's advocates that make us research all the new things. and yeah. But it's all experiential. Like if you practice it, like if you feel good drinking that water. I'm sure if you got tested, alkaline water, you know, nothing can survive in an alkal No bacteria, harmful bacteria can survive. So if you got tested in some way or another, maybe you would discover, but it's all about how you feel. Absolutely. But that's what I liked how you said at 16, you watched and you started actually practicing it and realized there is something to this. Mm -hmm. And this has sort of like stayed with you your entire life. And now yeah. you've got plans to open up this this retreat center for everybody else who could benefit from this. And I think that's... It's a wild ride. Really, yeah, really cool. <laughs> who knows really if crazy. it'll ever happen? I'm, well, I'm I say praying. That. Don't but... say that. Don't say that. It will well, happen. Well, it might. It might not. I have to not be attached. Mm. Right? Mm. I'm doing everything I can to get the wheels rolling. Right. You know, and ironically, like I'm attracting clients who are like, so what's your dream? And but I say, why? and they're like, well, we can help you get funding for that. I'm like, really? $3 million? Really? <laughs> like how? But why not attached? Um, Because I don't want to be disappointed. And I don't want to feel like if it doesn't happen, I've failed. You know, so is the not attached like more the, the defense mechanism? It's the it's the release of resistance. Like I don't want to resist any idea. So mm, if I'm too attached, then if it doesn't happen, then there's, you know, like worrying is like creating something you don't want. They right, say right? Right, right. So it's like do, put the wheels in motion. Oops, sorry. Okay. Um, put the wheels in motion. Do what you can and and let it flow. Like if it if it's meant to be, it it's gonna happen. That's interesting. I I don't like to push too hard against things. I think that um everything we want as Abraham Hicks would say, is downstream, not upstream. Hmm. It's also a lot of work, like a whole retreat. So like, <laughs> you know, so if it doesn't happen, I think it'll be okay. <laughs> Maybe in six years, I don't want to do this kind of work. I don't want to be that busy. Yeah. <laughs>
It's like, it's either have a retreat center and give birth to that or have kids. And I don't think I'm having kids at 40 already. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So 10 years into the clinic, I I didn't even ask at the beginning. I asked you how to pronounce the name. Didn't even ask you, where did this name come from? Do you want the real version or the safe version? I tell my my conservative I, of course, want the real version. Of (laughs) course. (laughs) Okay. Oh, man, I hope I don't get in trouble. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I was uh, growing hallucinogenic mushrooms for for a long time with an ex-partner. And uh, we ritualized ceremony every every week. We would do like uh, a really heavy dose. Mm -hmm. We would wake up. We would clean the apartment. We would be quiet, not really talk and chit-chat too much. We would cook a nice meal to save for later. We would fast all day. Take our baths, do yoga, whatever, meditate. And then when the sun went down, we would uh, make a tea from the mushrooms we grew. And one day when I knew I was already working at the 401 Richmond building and um, I said, okay, well, I need, I'm going to be taking on this new space. I need a name. So I said, my, I set my intention for that ceremony to find the name. Mm-hmm. And when you do mushrooms, I don't know if you guys have done them, but you you have a journal next to you sometimes and you think you're writing like novels and novels of things when you're, and ultimately, basically, I woke up the next day and it was like one word (laughs) across the page. I thought it was like this huge concept of a novel, but it was one word and it was Amanita, which is the red cap mushroom. With the the white dots on it, you know Mm. that mushroom? The Alice in Wonderland mushroom? Yeah, yeah. So I wrote it across diagonally on the page, and then I rewrote it backwards. And Atinama is Amanita backwards. <laughs> like that's the now name. I have to know what you tell your yeah, conservative patients. What's their story? So that's the truth. Is like um, it was it was the mushroom spores that came up with the name, um, and we're all just stardust anyway, right? <laughs> so uh, yeah. So the conservative clients, I have a really good explanation which is also happens to be true um ati in sanskrit is the prefix for above and beyond nama like namaste is uh like to honor to be in devotion to so i just say it's like to honor and be in devotion to providing a space above and beyond just your body we're here for your spirit your mind i'm pretty certain the first time monica and i talked on the phone she told me that story she didn't she didn't know if i was ready for the real version yet (laughs) (laughs) and that's followed up by want some shrooms (laughs) (laughs) it's been a long time since i've grown or done them but uh yeah they were a big part of my journey for sure self-discovery is it's good to access different parts of the brain that isn't normally accessed. So interesting. You are an interesting person. <laughs> we didn't know who we were inviting in here. Like I will say, we had no idea. It was just, I guess you listen to the podcast sometimes. You sent a message saying yeah. like, hey, like what you guys do, you know, I, I own think a clinic. Mark had said something that I really loved and I messaged you about that. Yeah, it was something like that. It was just, it was basically you just sending a message to say like, you know, good job or something. Like it was yeah. nothing like, hey, I want to come on the podcast. And you happened to mention that message. I've, uh, we're celebrating 10 years of being open at my clinic. And Mark was like, cool. And then he said to me, hey, contact this person, get her on the couch. And here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad you're here too. This is good. Yeah. This is really Enjoy fun. Conversation. Before we wrap up, because I know you are hiring therapists, anyone who's listening that maybe wants to come check out your space come to or my whatever. Mushroom clinic. Oh my your mushroom clinic. I may have just destroyed the future of my clinic. <laughs> no. Um, or you've or, made it better. Or, you or I'm going to attract some very weird some clients. No. Um, for people who might want 
to, you know, <laughs> think about maybe moving into a different work environment. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a contact you want to give out? Socials? What do you think? Sure. So, um, atinama toronto at gmail.com. We have Instagram. It's atinama.massage.therapy. Um, our website is super easy. It's just atinama.com. And I would say if you're, if, if you're passionate about what you do and you like being authentic and you like being supported by some really unique therapists, um, come on by, have a, have a tea in our lounge and, and see if you like the space. It's a beautiful space. It's not a mushroom tea. (laughs) Those are for after our clients. (laughs) Um, just, yeah, come check it out. We have, it's, it's a really, really beautiful space. You know, it's like an old building. It's got high ceilings and wood floors and each treatment room has a beautiful big window. It's like, it doesn't feel like a clinic, you know? So, um, people who, want to be in that kind of unique environment, come on down for sure. We're hiring. We'll be hiring probably for the next few months. <laughs> um, and also teaching clinics. So if you have any courses that you want to offer to a group of 10 people or less, contact me because we're looking for, for different CEU courses to offer, even though you guys here offer some great stuff. Uh, There's always room for tons of more yeah, things. Yeah, and it's downtown, so it's super, yeah. super easy to get to. Sounds like a, a place that I think I can get the massage therapy media crew together to go do a video shoot. Yeah. Down there. yeah. I think I might be able to talk them into it. <laughs> <laughs> this crazy lady's mushroom clinic. That's what it's going to turn into. Oh, man. No, but, and so, oh, and the other thing about our clinic that's kind of cool is like each room is themed after a different crystal. So we have like this massive crystal in each room with a, oh. a write-up of like the qualities that that crystal emits and... That's kind of fun. That does sound I'm really fun. not new agey. Just, I'm, I really get turned off by like crazy new agey people, but like. <laughs> <laughs> like I've been this way since I was 16, yeah, guys. Like, <laughs> my mom had metaphysical books on her bookshelf and like, I just yeah. grew up this way. Um, but yeah. It's authentic. It's okay. I get it. I get protective. When someone discovers Rush, and I'm like, I've been loving Rush forever. You're new. Pay your dues. Yeah, right. (laughs) What do I know? Well, thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure meeting you guys. Thanks. Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. Peace.